All right, we are back, you guys. Thank you again for joining us. We're so happy uh, that we're back to talk yes. about Genesis. Mm-hmm. We are already up to Genesis chapters 18 through 20. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. We're almost halfway through. Miracle. It is. So we are going to uh, we're going to start Amy with a with a prayer. Yes. And then we will get cracking. Okay. Go here for we it. Go. Dear Lord, we pray you will guide our minds and hearts for the next few moments of time to draw us close to you as we open your word. Let the Holy Spirit guide us to your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. How have you been? I've been good. I've missed you. I've missed you too. We haven't got to see each other for a while. Yeah. So here we are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So as we normally do, we're going to go over what we talked about in the last few chapters. Do you want me to cover that? Yes. I okay. like that you cover it. Okay. It's so in order. Okay. So it's a quick recap of chapters 12 through 17. Uh, so we learned that the Lord spoke to Abram because he was still Abram at that time and uh, told him to leave his native country and go to uh, the, the land that he said, which was Canaan. Was it Canaan yes. he went to first? Canaan. And he's, he promised Abram several times that all the families on the earth will be blessed through him. And Abram listened and took his wife, Sarai, because she wasn't Sarah yet, and his nephew, Lot. Yes. They go due to the famine. They, they leave Canaan. And they head to Egypt. And Abram had, this is the first time he did this. Abram feared for their safety. And he told Sarai to to lie to the Egyptians. And say that, you know, she's the sister. She's his sister. But it only lasted temporarily. Right. Because God sent a plague through the Pharaoh's house. And Pharaoh's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys got to get. Bye-bye. So he threw them out of Egypt, but he sent them with, you know, he didn't send them out empty-handed. Right. Provisions, yes. Yes, with provisions. Eventually, uh, once they left, Abram and Lot, they had to separate because they had so much uh, livestock and there just wasn't enough land. So Abram stayed in, in Canaan and Lot moved near Sodom. He wasn't in it at that time. Right. A war had broken out in the region and Lot was captured. And he, at this time, he was living in Sodom. Yes. But Abram, being very faithful, you know, he, he gathered up his men, went out, and was able to kind of re, recapture everything. Yes. All the people. God had made a covenant with Abram uh, Ab- that Abraham's descendants would become a great nation if they obeyed God and God would be their God forever. The sign of the covenant being a smoking fire pot and the flaming torch, which is visually just so, just to picture that. Yes. That's amazing. Sarai had sent her servant Hagar to have relations with Abram. Remember that? Yes, we do. Having a child. uh, And she did, Ishmael, but there was a lot of drama. A lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, God reminded Abram of the covenant once again and changed his name to Abraham which means the father of many nations. And God also told Abraham that he and all of his descendants uh, and all the people living with him, the males had to be circumcised. And one of the things was cutting the flesh of the foreskin was a, it it was a sign of the covenant between Abraham and God. That was, that was the big thing. 
And then God told Abraham, Sarai's name is now Sarah, and he will bless them with a son. And Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. And that's where we pick up. Yes, it is. We pick up with chapter 18. So if we look at Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Is it Mamre? I think so. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. Uh, so we're told right at the beginning of, of the first verse that it is it is God. Yes, it is. It is God. One of the one of them is is God. Uh, in a temporary human form. Yep. And have, have we talked about theophany before? I don't think we've talked about it with them. Theophany. Yeah. I love that word. It's God in a temporary human form. Yes. Um, and then we, we soon learn who the other two men are. But I don't, it's just, yeah. I'm a visual person, so I'm yeah. like, oh, that must be so neat. Yeah. That yeah. must be neat. And that was a common thing. Like you, like your whole um, like people saw you how you treat others like if you treat people well the strangers that was just customary of the time if a stranger came by you're like come eat we'll, we'll yes. make something and yeah come in treat them like family yes yes. so Abraham uh, had Sarah bake bread and he prepared a, a roasted meat a full meal for the men do you have anything on that part? No, I was going to say how you treat you treated them like family. You brought them in. You used your best food and everything. You yeah. had the woman cook everything. Yeah. Yes. Then in in Genesis eight uh, chapter eighteen verses nine and ten, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent. Abraham replied. Then one of them said, "I will." Return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And Sarah overheard the conversation. Yes. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe what she was hearing. So, you know, she's in her 90s at this point, and she kind of started to laugh. She laughed. That wasn't the right thing to do. No. No. I would have laughed, though. I mean, you're 90. and Did Sarah know that it was God? It doesn't state that she knew. No. So I'm not sure. You would assume that she would have known, though. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. In any case, she laughed. Yeah. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 13 through 15, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied She denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord told her, yeah, you laughed. The Lord busted Sarah. Yeah, so she must have known. Because the Lord said to her, no, you did laugh. Oh. Yeah. Not good. No. Yeah, that's, she did. I have something for that. Go for it. Um, fear is the most co- common motive for lying. Mm-hmm. We are afraid that our inner thoughts and emotions will be exposed or our wrongdoings discovered. But lying causes greater complications than telling the truth and brings even more problems. 
you will be far better off telling the truth right from the start. Even though it's scary, it is better. It is. It is scary. But if you just kind of perpetuate that lie, it's so much worse. And then you have to tell another and another and another. Yeah. And then and then some people just don't know how to get out of it. No. You're just caught up in it. Yeah. I would have I would have probably laughed on myself. I would have. I mean at that age you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. But not for God. No. Uh it also said in our notes, is anything too hard for the Lord? The obvious answer is of course not. This question reveals much about God. Make it a habit to insert your specific needs into the question, is this day in my life too hard for the Lord? Is this habit I'm trying to break too hard for him? Is the communication problem I'm having too hard for him? Asking the question this way reminds you that God is personally involved in your life and nudges you to ask for his power to help you. Yes. Nothing's too hard for him. No. Uh -uh. No, nothing at all. No, you just have to communicate. Just like you said, just you could even like think it. Mm hmm. Or just just talk to him. Yeah, like every day, like, yeah. like we're talking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else for that part? Not that part, no. Okay, moving to Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And, you know, at that point, the the Lord had wondered, should I tell Abraham, you know, what he's what he's going to do? But he did. He, yeah. he told, yeah. Yeah. He, he decided not to withhold the information. And then moving on to chapter 18, verses 20 through 22. So the Lord told Abraham, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. And then at this point, the Lord and Abraham had a conversation where, you know, Abraham was question, kind of questioning if he was going to wipe out the righteous with the wicked people. Right. And he was concerned about that. Yeah, he, he was. really was. He was. And you know he was probably thinking about Lot. I'm sure. The whole time. Yeah. Uh, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 26, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. And then they went back and forth with, with this conversation, yeah. finally kind of paring it down to 10. If you find 10 righteous people, are you still going to take them out? God's like, okay. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, was there anything in this part you wanted to talk no, about? No, I, I think it showed Abraham's heart, though. It just showed him, like he said, um, and I think it was 25, mm -hmm. verse 25, Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why you would be, why you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the, exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Surely um, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, "If I find fifty righteous people in Sodom, I will supply. I will spare the entire city for their sake." And then, like you said, it just goes on and on. Yeah. But I agree. He, I think he had Lot on his mind. Sure. His nephew. Sure. Yeah. And then in our notes, it said, Abraham seemed to be probing God's mind to see how merciful he really was. He left his conversation with God, convinced that God was both kind and fair. 
Our prayers won't change God's mind, but they may change ours, just as Abraham's prayers changed his. Prayer helps us better understand the mind of God. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's something that we all have to remember is that, you know, we pray, you pray for all sorts of things, but ultimately it's whatever it is, is in God's timing. Yes. And we both like, it's always good to remember that, but we both have dealt with this recently. It's like, no, it's in God's timing. Yeah. You, you may get an answer to this. You may not. Yeah. And Every time I pray, I always say, um, if this is your will, mm. if this is your will, like, and I never say, um, I'm having this problem, take it away from me. Because if this is a problem I need to have mm-hmm. to grow or to be more dependent on him, I want it kept, mm-hmm. you know? So if whatever his will is, we w- we want that because that's, we want his will to be done. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Also in the notes, there's a lot of things in our notes about this section. Did you want to read one of them or? Um, I haven't had any marked yet. The ones that stuck out yet. Okay. Well, I'm going to read a couple of them. Okay. God knew that there were not 10 innocent people in in the city. So Mm -hmm. God already knew all this, but he was merciful enough to follow Abraham to intercede. God does not take pleasure in destroying the wicked, but he must punish sin. He is both just and merciful. We should be thankful that God's mercy extends to us. Uh, Another one, God gave the men of Sodom a fair test. He was not ignorant of the city's wicked practices, but in his fairness and patience, he gave the people of Sodom one last chance to repent. God is still waiting, giving people the opportunity to turn to him. Those who are wise will turn to him without delay. Just so lovingly patient. Yeah. Oh, yes. The patience he has. I mean, we can never Mm-mm. be that patient. Mm-mm. No. And then lastly for this, for chapter 18 in the notes, it said, God showed Abraham that asking for anything is allowed with the understanding that God's answers come from God's perspective. And that's always something wonderful to remember. It, it, there's human's way of thinking and then there's, there's God's perspective of mm-hmm. things. So you have to remember where where that's coming from. They're not always in harmony with our expectations for only he knows the whole story. Are you missing God's answer to a prayer because you haven't considered any possible answers other than the one you expect? Yeah. That's good. That is like, if we could see the whole story, we may not even be asking for the answer we're asking for. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause God's got everything laid out. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he, you know, he's got like the big aerial view of everything. It's like, yeah, I, I see what's going on. Yeah. You don't want that. No. Like a parent with a child. Mm-hmm. Like this parent wants, this child wants a certain thing, but we can be like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I have for chapter 18. Was there anything else you wanted to no, talk about? No, I was good with that too. Okay. Yes. So we're going to move on to chapter 19. Starting in chapter 19, verse 1, that evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. So now this tells us that the other two men were angels. Angels, Yes. yes. The entrance, oh, in our notes, the entrance of the city, because you may think, well, why is Lot at the the front of the city? Mm -hmm. The entrance of the city was the meeting place for city officials 
and other men to discuss current events and transact business. It was a place of authority and status where a person could see and be seen. Evidently, Lot held an important position in the government and associated with those who did because the angels found him at the city's entrance. Perhaps Lot's status in Sodom was one reason he was so reluctant to leave. There's some crazy stuff coming up. I know. In just these two chapters. It's nuts. And just like Abraham, he prepared a a meal for for the angels or for the the men. Yes. And uh, insisted that he spent the night at his house because the angels were going to just kind of spend it in the courtyard. And he's like, no, 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 come, come stay with me. Yes. But trouble was around the corner. Oh. Because all the men, and it said the young and the old, yeah, came to his house. They surrounded Lot's house. And in chapter 19, verse 5, they shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Yes. What is going on in Sodom? I know. It's a place of evil. Oh. Sin. And what... what What's crazy is it's young and old. So even the young have been so corrupted. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, Lot went out to to confront the men outside. And in chapter 19, verses 7 and 8, he says, Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests and under my protection. Awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's not getting any better. No. In our notes, it said, This terrible suggestion reveals how deeply sin had been absorbed into Lot's life. He had become hardened to evil acts in an evil city. Whatever Lot's motives were, we see here an illustration of Sodom's terrible wickedness. A wickedness so great that God had to destroy the entire city. Yeah. But the mob wasn't going to listen. No. They, they, were, they were like, whatever, we don't care. And they lunged at Lot. Yes. To break down his door and get inside. Yeah. But in chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, but the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house and bolted the door. Then they, the angels, blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Yeah, You know, the angels asked Lot to get any of the of his relatives out of Sodom immediately because they it was going to be destroyed. God had sent them to destroy it. Yes. And how, you know, the the compassion because they could have well, anything could have happened, but I mean, they could have just grabbed Lot. But they're like, "No, get you, your relatives, your wife, whoever." The whole, yeah. The whole crew. Well, not whoever. I shouldn't say but that. But the whole family. Yes. And Lot tried to tell his daughter's fiancés to leave immediately, but they didn't believe him. No. In 1913, it said, God promised to spare Sodom if only 10 innocent people lived there, but obviously not 10 could be found because the angels had arrived to destroy the city. Archaeological evidence points to an advanced civilization in this area during Abraham's day. Most researchers also confirm some kind of sudden and devastating destruction. It is now widely thought that the buried city lies beneath the waters of the southern end of the Dead Sea. 
The story of Sodom reveals that the people of Lot's day had to deal with the same kinds of repulsive sins that the world faces today. We should follow Abraham's example of trusting God. His selfless faith contrasts with the self-gratifying people of Sodom. Mm -hmm. He rushed out to tell his daughters and fiancés mm -hmm. to get out of the city. Yeah. Moving on to chapter 19, verses 15 through 17. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Because I guess yeah. Lot was kind of lollygagging about yeah. this. I don't know. Or or at <clears throat> least his daughter's fiancés were. Yeah. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. Yeah. For the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. What what was he holding on to? I know. What was he waiting for? What was he waiting for? Was he just so attached to the material things of, of Sodom or his, his power? I, what was seducing him? I just don't know. It said that um, he did not want to abandon the wealth position and the comfort he enjoyed in Sodom. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's easy to criticize him for being hypnotized by Sodom. When the choice seems to be clear to us, mm. to be wiser than him, we must see that our hesitation to ob obey may stem from the false attractions of our culture's pleasure. He even said, I don't want to go to the mountains. I want to go to the small village. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because so moving on, uh, the angels told Lot's family to run to the mountains and... A lot let the angels know how gracious and kind and, yeah. you know, they had been, but he didn't want to go there. He felt that, quote unquote, disaster would catch up to me there and I would soon die. He didn't believe his family would make it to the mountains before disaster struck. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to go to Zor, a small nearby village. And then, so, but that, you know, here he is, he's grateful, but he's showing a lack of faith. I that, know it. You know that his he and his family are, are aren't going to make it, but the but disaster like they weren't going to take out Sodom until Lot and his family were safe. Right. Uh, in Genesis chapter nineteen verses twenty four through twenty six, then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Yeah, there it is. She couldn't She couldn't uh, give it up. No. She, she, she was looking that. back, and, and God said, nope. Now, this I got from uh, BibleRef.com. Oh, okay. In Scripture, fire and sulfur are associated with God's judgment on earth. And in upcoming books of the Bible, we'll get to, uh, it talks about that, as well as with his eternal judgment in hell. Specifically references God's judgment on Sodom as an example of God's readiness and ability to judge the ungodly and to rescue the righteous. To this day, apparently, sulfur, sulfurous fumes populate this area around the Dead Sea. Wow. Along with deposits of asphalt. 
While we don't know for sure that these are directly tied to this divine act of punishment from the Lord, the symbolism is powerful. Yes, it is. Mm. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you're right. If it isn't connected, what a remembering. Mm-hmm. I think it's connected. I do, too. I mean, if, if yeah, it's a sign anyway, no oh, matter yeah. what. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then meanwhile, that morning, Abraham. So now we're getting back to Abraham. Yeah. He wakes up, goes, he looks outside towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's, he's seeing the cities burn. I'm sure, you know, he was very concerned about Lot. Oh, yeah. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 29, But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. And in our notes, it said, Notice how God's mercy toward Abraham extended to Lot and his family. Because Abraham pleaded for Lot, God was merciful and saved Lot from the fiery destruction of Sodom. A righteous person can often affect others for good. James, from the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. All Christians should follow Abraham's example and pray for others to be saved. Yes. How amazing is that? So because Abraham prayed for his nephew God was merciful towards him yes that's that's something yeah now in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah we see two facets of God's character one we see his great patience Mm -hmm. agreeing to spare a wicked city for 10 good people but we also see his fierce anger in destroying both of the cities right absolutely now, is there anything else that, are there notes on there that you want to read? Um, no. Okay, because I have a couple more. As we grow spiritually, we should find ourselves developing not only a deeper respect for God because of his anger towards sin, but also a deeper love for God because of his, of his patience when we sin. Yes. Lot's wife turned back to look at the smoldering city of Sodom. Clinging to the past, she was unwilling to turn completely away. And this, I like this note. Are you looking back longingly at sin while trying to move forward with God? You can't make progress with God as long as you are holding on to pieces of your old life. Jesus said it this way in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Yes, that's right. And that's something to remember. Yeah. You know, you can't have the ways of your old life the sinful ways of your old life, and have the new life. Yes. Now, moving on in the story, shortly after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot became afraid of the people of Zor. So he and his daughters left to live in a cave in the mountains. Ugh. And this is where... (laughs) I mean, it just goes on and on. (laughs) It's just terrible. It is. It is. All right, let's just get into it. Yeah. Genesis chapter 19, verses 31 through 33. One day the older daughter said to her sister, there are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else. And our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. She was unaware, oh, excuse me, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. Yep. It's just terrible. 
I mean, but he lived in lived in that awful Sodom. That's what that's what the girls knew. Yeah, that's what they knew. They saw that probably all the time. Just, yeah, ugh. they didn't have any. No. Uh, then the same thing happened the next night, only with the younger sister. Sister. Boo. They and they both became pregnant. Yes. The older daughter's son was named Moab, uh-huh. ancestor of the Moabites. Yep. While the younger daughter's son was named Ben-Ami, ancestor of the Ammonites. Now, this is a serious question. I'm not being sassy. Didn't Lot wonder how the girls got pregnant? My question is... <laughs> like, we're in this cave. Yeah. There's there's no other men around. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We've been together the whole time. How'd you get pregnant? Yeah. I'm just curious. That's yeah, all. I know. I I had some notes on Please, this. Please, go ahead. Um, in this pitiful, pitiful sequel to the story of the destruction of Sodom, we see two women compel, compelled to preserve their family line. They were driven not to lust, but by desperation. They feared they would never marry. Lot's tendency, tendency to compromise and refusal to act reached its peak. He should have found right partners for his daughters long before this. Abraham's family wasn't far away. Now the two daughters stooped to incest, showing their acceptance of the morals of Sodom. We are most likely to sin when we are desperate for what we feel we must have. Mm. Then why doesn't the Bible openly condemn these sisters for what they did? In many cases, the Bible doesn't judge people for their actions. It simply reports the events. However, incest is clearly condemned in other parts of Scripture. Perhaps the consequences of their actions, Moab and Ammon, become enemies of Israel, was God's way of judging their sin. Mm. So the next generation paid for that sin yeah. is the way I read that. Yeah. I mean, that's a doozy. It just, and, and they became the fathers of two of Israel's greatest enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just, yeah. Okay. So now did you have anything else for no, chapter 19? No, I just, that just, what a sad story. It's very me. sad. It's, it's very sad that, you know, lot, <laughs> He just got so swept up in what was going on in Sodom and maybe the power he had in Sodom and all that and how it affected his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say the same things about, you know, about us. Yes. You get swept up in, oh, I need this or, or, oh, I want this power at my job or this and how it affects your family. Right. And you you make things your god yes. instead of instead of God your god, and things should not be. And that, you know, a lot of the times that mentality is passed down to your kids because mm-hmm. then they see, well, that's how mom and dad think. This it's, that must be how I should act. Yes. Mm. Yes, your your children are always watching you. They are. Yes, they're sneaky. Yes, they are. I love them. And and then you think about how how Lot the daughters heard 
heard him say, don't touch these men who are my two daughters. <laughs> you know, here, just take them. And also Lot chose to live right out of the gates of Sodom. Yeah. Abraham said, here, here's all of this. Live wherever you want. Yeah, he could have gone anywhere, yeah. So our choices we make are very important. They are. Yeah, you got to remember that. I mean, most of the time, the choices you make, and life is all about choices. It is. And you're not always going to make the right choices. I mean, Lord knows we know that. But you have to keep in mind that choices you make are going to affect other people. Every one of them. Every one. It's like, I always tell the kids, you. it's like, here's the calm water, you're dropping a pebble. And those ripples are our choice. Here's our choice, and the ripples are what affect. You know? I love your stories. Oh, I my love stories. the stories oh, you tell yeah. your kids. Okay. <laughs> they don't. They said, Mom, really? everyone hates your stories. Everyone hates your, your songs you've made about, up about meningitis, <laughs> about... About getting meningitis, about kindness starts with me, blah, blah, blah. Wait, what does meningitis have to do with anything? I, start, I made up a song about meningitis because, you know, I got meningitis when I was 17 and it, I got it from fecal matter, touching a thing that had fecal, supposedly. Okay. So I made up a song about you better wash your hands after you have a bowel movement. And then they told me... No one likes your meningitis song except the cousins, and the cousins don't like it, but they're nice because they're family, but they're lying. I said, they're not lying. They like my song. Can I hear the meningitis song? Now you know why I freak out about (laughs) poo-poo. So getting back to Lot. Because clearly that's a wonderful transition. Yeah. I don't even know how we got on meningitis, but anyway. I don't know. I'm looking at the notes, and I don't know how we got to that. me either, but it's all right. (laughs) Terrible, that disease. That sickness was terrible. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Chapter 20. Okay. Genesis. Uh, chapter 20, we get back to Abraham. He had moved around the country for a bit. And once again, Abraham yeah. didn't learn. Introduces his his wife, Sarah, as his sister in the city of Gerar. Gerar? Gerar? Yeah. G-E-R-A-R. And if you remember, he, he did the same thing in Egypt, in Egypt with the Pharaoh. Although Ab- this is in our notes now. Although Abraham is one of our heroes of faith, he did not learn his lesson well enough the first time. In fact, by giving in to the temptation again, he risked turning a sinful act into a sinful pattern of lying whenever he suspected his life was in danger. No matter how much we love God, certain temptations are especially difficult to resist. These are the vulnerable spots in our spiritual armor. As we struggle with these weaknesses, we can be encouraged to know that God is watching out for us just as he did for Abraham. And that's everybody. Yeah. We all face those temptations because yes. we've all got those weaknesses. Yeah. So don't think for any reason that you're the only one like, oh my gosh, I'm so horrible or whatever. We, we all have them. Every one of us. Yes, we do. Now, in Genesis chapter 20, 
verses 2 through 4, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, she is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had brought and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man for that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Now, on a side note, for anyone looking for uh, online pronunciations of a lot of these names and locations, I found a couple websites, biblespeak.org, and I'll put the links down below or, uh, or in the notes for the podcast, and betterdaysarecoming.com. Both of those sites are really good. They, they'll, it'll give like the phonetic spelling. And then I believe both of them also have like a little, a little audio clip you can play and they'll tell you, it, is, it says how to say the names. Oh, okay. that's how I learned how to say Abimelech. Abimelech. Yeah. Uh, then Abimelech then proclaimed his innocence to God, stating his hands are clean. In Genesis chapter 20, verses six through seven. In the dream, God responded, Yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. How do you think she felt? I would I would say, Hun, we tried this once. Well, you can't. You couldn't, but yeah, I would, I don't know, that'd be scary. But then again, they were fear of their lives, so they did what I guess they had to do. Plus, I mean, at that time, you couldn't really sass your husband. Mm -mm. You'd just be like, all right, I mean. Yeah, all right. But it, it had to have made her feel bad. Yeah. I would imagine, huh? Yeah, and then when, I guess God protected Abraham by saying he's a prophet. Take him, take her back. Like mm-hmm. he shook, he coded it over. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. And God was was very kind, or yeah. you know, loving towards uh, Abimelech. Yeah, he was. He was. That's true. Because he didn't know. Yeah, and even in the notes it says, "Do not assume that God will not work." in a situation that has potential problems. You may not completely understand the situation and God may intervene when you least expect it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, also it said, Abimelech had unknowingly taken a married woman to be his wife and was about to commit adultery, but God somehow prevented him from touching Sarah and held him back from sinning. What mercy on God's part. How many times has God done the same for us, holding us back from sin? in ways we can't even detect. We have no way of knowing. We just know from this story that he can. God works just as often in ways we can't see as in ways we can. Yeah. Amen. That is so the truth. In ways we don't even, we don't even see probably the, the most of it. Every day. Yeah. Oh, yes. Every day. Uh, the next morning, Abimelech told his household what happened and everyone was scared. They were all terrified. Yeah. And then he called for Abram, very similar to what happened before in Egypt, and asked why. You know, why, why'd you do yeah. this? And in chapter 20, verse 11, Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. Yeah. Which goes back to the note that, that you read. Yeah. 
Abimelech gave him back, uh, gave Sarah back, and to compensate for any possible wrongdoing, gave an abundance of livestock, silver, and servants, and sent them on their way. He even told Abraham he could choose to live anywhere on his land. Wow. Which is a little different than what happened in Egypt. Yeah. Because the Pharaoh was like, no, no, you guys got to go. You got to get out of here. You got to go. But Abimelech said, no, you can, he had the opposite reaction. You can stay. Chapter 20, verses 17 through 18. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants so they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife, Sarah. That's amazing. It really is. Were there any other notes you wanted to read? I just wanted to, when I read that part, I just want to say that we have to remember that God still performs miracles. Mm -hmm. He still does that. And just because these things happen, like he caused the women to be infertile, then he made them fertile again, he still does those things. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to throw that in. Oh, that's, that's true. Yes, it is. Um, lastly, in the notes, this is what I had. Why did God punish Abimelech when he had no idea Sarah was married? Even Number one, even though Abimelech's intentions were good, as long as Sarah was living in his harem, he was in danger of sinning. A person who eats a poisonous toadstool thinking it's a harmless mushroom no doubt has perfectly good intentions, but will still suffer. Sin is a poison that damages us and those around us, whatever our intentions. Number two, the punishment striking all the women of Abimelech's household with infertility lasted only as long as Abimelech was in danger of sleeping with Sarah. It was meant to change the situation, not to harm Abimelech. And three, the punishment clearly showed that Abraham was in league with the Almighty God. This incident may have made Abimelech respect and fear Abraham's God. That's so good. Yeah. I I love the number. I love the end of the second, the first one. That a person who eats a poisonous toadstool, thinking it's harmless mushroom, no doubt has perfectly good intentions, but will still suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was good. Oh, yeah. Yes. Any other thoughts about 18 through 20? I just think it had a lot of showing of sin mm-hmm. with Lot and his daughters, but you could see it. He set himself up. Mm-hmm. He he had a choice where to live. He chose to live there. He knew right outside of that sinful place. That's like if I loved chocolate, I'm going to go buy a whole bunch of chocolate, but I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. Like you're putting the temptation right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So he kind of set himself up then, then his daughters. And now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We got to be careful about that, about setting ourselves up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Especially for things that, that are, you're weak for. Right. Like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's a weakness and especially for men, Mm -hmm. because men are, God made them to have desires of women, Mm -hmm. you know, so he set himself, I don't know just think he set himself up and they learned about meningitis today (laughs) sin and meningitis sin and meningitis yeah that's a good one yeah too much yeah 
Well, I think that's all we have uh, for for 18 through 20 next time. Yes. Chapters 21 through 23. Wonderful. And we get into another amazing story of Isaac. Oh. You, you, guys, will, you guys will read about it. It's... It was a story I had the h- hardest time wrapping my head around. Yeah. Because it's as a mother. As a mother. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. But yes, yeah, so chapters 21 through 23 uh, for next time. And uh, as always, thank you for joining oh, yes. us. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email us. You can leave you know, a comment down below if you're on YouTube or uh, you know, send us a message if you're listening to us through the podcast. Uh, but you know, we hope you have a blessed week and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes.